This is episode 116 on finding your flow formula. Welcome to the Athletic Mindset. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer, forever athlete, and your personal performance coach, helping you find flow in your day-to-day life. Today, I want to break down what it means to be in flow and how we can begin to find a formula that works for us to get into flow state with a little bit more consistency. But before we hop into it, I just want to share that Forever Athlete Apparel is finally here. Our first drop is live and we have limited stock on t-shirts and hats. And with each purchase, you get added to the exclusive Forever Athlete Collective community, which has tons of resources varying from workout guides, nutrition tips, more mindset help, and more importantly, a larger community of like-minded people. So go grab yours at the link in the bio or the show notes and get plugged into the overall Forever Athlete fam. Now back to flow. So flow, or the zone as many of us in sport refer to it as, is this state of total immersion into the task at hand. It's when we feel the most productive, borderline superhuman, and it's actually a state of consciousness that we can get into through a series of flow triggers. And understanding these triggers and how they relate to us as individuals is exactly what performance coaching really boils down to. The better we understand how we respond to each trigger allows us to build our routines and habits to facilitate more flow into our day-to-day life. And the beauty of flow is it's not limited to just one area of our life. As athletes, we're most familiar with it in the sports setting, right? Being in the zone, but it's actually something that we can experience in work regardless of our profession relationships, whether they're romantic or not, and overall just how we show up in this world in general. That's why I'm so passionate about flow. It's the best performance enhancer out there on the market. So here's a brief overview of the triggers. Buckle up because there's 22 of them in total. And we're going to first start with the intrinsic ones, so the internal ones. Number one, we got clear goals. That means we have a clear understanding of what is required for a successful outcome, and we're working towards it. Number two, we got unambiguous feedback. You receive immediate feedback from yourself and or others like a coach. This enables you to course correct in real time and allows you to push your boundaries and limitations beyond your perceived perceptions. Number three, we dove into a little bit more depth last week is the challenge skill balance. The activity that you are currently doing should be challenging yet within your perceived abilities. The imminent anxiety of the activity should not paralyze your system into inaction. It should also not be below your current skill level as that can breed boredom and apathy towards the topic or the subject. Number four, we got concentration on the task at hand. So your intention has to be laser-like focused to experience flow. In this state, any irrelevant stimuli disappear from your consciousness. Worries and concerns, they're temporarily suspended. And the only thing that matters is that present moment. Number five, it's a mix of things here. We have curiosity, passion, and purpose. You have strong intrinsic motivators when we are exploring our curiosity. So not being motivated by things externally like fame, money, and power. When the activity that we're doing is a means into itself, then we're not going to be motivated. We need to find things that spark our curiosity. Curiosity leads us to finding a passion And that leads us to then finding our purpose. So feel as though the journey is the only thing that matters and you're contributing to something much bigger than yourself. You got flow on your hands. Number six, we got autonomy. You pay more attention when you are the captain of your ship. You have complete autonomy over where you're going and you alone dictate when and how 
you steer your ship towards the destination that you're set after to go for. Those are the internal ones. Let's shift gears. Now focus on some external. We all have this curious ability to design the environment around us. Some of us a little bit more than others, and that's okay. But our environment can either trigger flow or inhibit it. So I want to cover some ways here how we can make sure our environment is triggering flow. Number one in the group in the external factor is high consequences. We talked again about this last week. We have to risk it to get the biscuit. The type of risk doesn't matter. It just has to be present so that we can be present for the task at hand. Novelty is the next one we explore here. Nothing worse for flow than getting bored. So novelty ensures our brain is forced to pay attention because that's what happens when we experience something we haven't encountered before. Think of when we first found Angry Birds. The novelty of the game got you hooked. And the next thing you know, hours have gone by and you've just been tapping your phone excessively trying to control a bird up and down through some obstacles. Novelty on the dark side of flow, right? Not the most productive task, but flow nonetheless. Complexity is the next one we explore here. And there's a sweet spot of, again, not driving your system into overwhelm, yet challenging enough to say to your brain, hey, this is worth paying attention to. So having a clear path to navigate the complex terrain is the most important thing here. That's why I always work with people to reverse engineer their bigger five-year goals or 10-year goals, whatever it may be, into daily simple steps. Next one we got is unpredictability, similar to novelty here, right? Not knowing an outcome forces us into hyper-focus mode. It drives our attention to the feedback we're currently getting so we can implement it into real time. Think of the times you reacted to a play on the field and you had really no idea what was coming next, yet somehow you just found yourself in the right place at the right time. This isn't so much as chance as it is a byproduct of you being in flow state and being able to see the next play unfold before it happens. Deep embodiment is one of my favorite examples of flow and a flow trigger in and of itself. When our actions and awareness merge and you have this overwhel- overwhelming feeling of oneness, that's deep embodiment. You become the observer of what you're doing. It's quite literally an out-of-body experience and you're plugged into the overall flow of the universe. Think of a surfer losing sight of themselves on the board and really becoming one with the ocean. I know that sounds a little hippie-ish, but trust me. Deep embodiment is life-altering flow, and it's some of the most alive moments that we will tend to experience in the day-to-day. Creativity, pattern recognition is another great flow trigger. My personal favorite as a creative now is when our brain starts to link old information to new information that's coming in and creates original idea. It happens when we start acting on that great idea that's been in our brain for years, and we're just unlocking it and giving it a time and a place to express itself. So when you have these creative downloads, capitalize on it and start getting motivated immediately to act on it. You have neurochemicals in your favor when your brain is recognizing the unseen and new patterns. And that's how leading innovators such as Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos are able to revolutionize entire industries. When you get that creative download, jot it down because you never know what it might end up becoming here in the long run. So we covered internal and self-flow. One of the powerful things about flow is we can actually experience it in a group setting as well. Like when a sports team has this aura about them of being that team of destiny. It's how the Phoenix Suns really feel to me right now watching them in the finals and this whole playoff run. This is why culture and environment matter so much for our own performance. Just like clear goals for us as an individual, a shared goal in the team setting goes a long way. Having a general idea of where to steer the collective shift is pivotal for group success. The more everyone is on the same page, sharing a vision and mission, the closer the connection that develops between you all. 
Teams that actually embody their mission and vision do better long-term than teams that just kind of share it once. They talk about it. They put it on a board or a poster and they forget about it. The goal should be more than just some words on a piece of paper. Close, deep listening is our next group flow trigger and it's our ability to truly listen. Becoming an active listener to our teammates, our coaches, coworkers, bosses allows for innovation to rise. We must be fully engaged to energize those around us in a world of distractions. This is getting harder and harder to do, but the flow is worth the focus. Trust me. Complete concentration. Continue with focus. Flow exists in this present moment, not anywhere else. The team and we as individuals must be able to focus not on the outcomes, rewards, or punishments. The only thing that matters is the endeavor itself. That's why we must leave our issues at the door when it comes time to lock in to whatever the task is at hand. Blending of egos is really one of my favorites in the group setting, right? We call this the hive mind. When we are no longer acting solely in accordance with our internal sense of self, you feel like a part of you is becomes part of something so much more, you get totally immersed in the experience at hand. Think of the best orchestras or symphonies in the world. All of their individual egos get blended together to create an overall elevated and almost magical moment that is greater than anything any one of them could have produced on their own. Being in control, autonomy in the group setting is another key factor here in helping us find flow and being in the driver's seat of our own sense of self. The more autonomy that we have in the group setting, the more flow we can experience. The best teams have a shared goal, but complete freedom on how to reach it. They understand their roles in that collective team setting. So understand the navigation of direction will be different than those around you, and that's okay. I love to think of, I want to give a shout out to a company like Patagonia, who is the perfect example of providing autonomy to their employees. They have this policy of let them go surfing. So they can up and leave their work at any point during the day if there's waves and they want to go surf. And it's funny because surfing, like we mentioned earlier, is a great trigger to get into deep embodiment and encourages more flow so that when they come back to work, they're more in the zone. They're more likely to be more productive. It's a very smart move by Patagonia, and it's creating freedom for the employee. Everyone creates her wins in this environment. Equal participation is the next one we explore here. So members of the team have to be able to contribute equally to the activity at hand. They should have comparable skill levels and complement one another. Think of your Steve Jobs and your Steve Wozniak's. Different skills, but very complementary of one another, hence why Apple is the company and culture that it is today. Familiarity is our next one, so being familiar with each other's performance style goes a long way in flow. You don't have to be best friends and complete each other's sentences. However, you should have an understanding of how they perform, especially when novel situations come up so that you can collectively solve more complex problems together, which leads us to open communication. The thing our society seems to suck at these days, right? Your typical conference meeting doesn't usually produce flow because it lacks the open communication that's needed for it. This is why vulnerability, honesty, and openness should be a fundamental value of any team. The more open that you can be, the more flow that is collectively produced. Moving it forward here is our second to last one. And think of improv when we're saying moving it forward. Being able to build on that last step and create something a little bit deeper in that process. The brain gets flooded with feel-good neurochemicals when we're making forward progress, and that's compounded when we as a team are making progress. Focus on progress and growth, and watch what that does to your overall performance as a whole. Our last one that we explore today is shared risk. 
The feeling of flow is tenfold when the stage lights are on and it's time to perform as a team. This really boils down to how well do you harness the stage fright and the performance anxiety into a powerful flow state or do you crumble under it? When there's a shared risk on the line, the team that is more likely to rise to the occasion is often the team that plays out of their mind and wins. Much like a playoff team fighting off elimination, that's why there's nothing more exciting for flow than a game seven and the stakes that come with that. We can create our own game seven environment by using shared risk to our advantage. Now, these triggers, they're not exclusive of one another. In fact, the more that you mix and match them, the more likely you are to create flow in your life in different settings. These next few weeks on our Mindful Mondays, I'll be diving into each of them a little bit more in a little bit more detail and giving you exact ways that you can use each of these to get the most out of your day-to-day life. We all flow further together, so share this episode with a friend, a family member, or a teammate, coworker, and I encourage you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts on which triggers have helped you the most when experiencing flow in your life. Remember, if you can change your mindset, you can change your life. One thought followed by one action at a time. I will see you all on Friday.